Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, and we're doing our end-of-the-season player evaluations. We've done the goalies, and we've done the defense, and it's time now to do the forwards. And, Brendan, we can break this down one of two ways, so you can tell me which way. We know the Oilers' top five forwards are all going to be here, and they're all legit. I mean, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, all over 100 points. Ryan would have obviously liked to have had a more impactful playoff. He only scored one goal and one assist at even strength. He got gashed up a bit 5v5. Um he was off literally from the get-go. The first game against L.A., he had a couple sl- looks off the left side playing on the line with McDavid. That's where he started in that series. He finished the Vegas series playing with uh, Leon Dreisaitl. But McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Connor with 150 points, Leon a career high, Nuge a career high, Zach Hyman a career high at 83 f- points. Wouldn't discuss the core injuries he had. Uh, looked like an oblique injury to me. Evander Kane wouldn't talk about it either, but obviously had the severed wrist tendons. Came back from that, broke his ribs, and then had a broken finger on the same hand that he suffered the wrist injury on. Um, it's a pretty good start, isn't it? Those five guys, when you look at it? Yeah, well, when we talk about this being the deepest Oilers team in 30 years, that's why. It's because the supplementary pieces of Zach Hyman and Evander Kane have been acquired by Ken Holland over the last couple of years. So it uh, it's a pretty good starting place, and I don't know that there's many seasons you're going to see Evander Kane at like half a point a game. No, I could see Evander Kane actually having a career high points next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sh- I, I don't know about how the wrist injury is going to affect his touch. Uh, but, I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. He had 35 goals in 58 games in the regular season and the playoffs before. Really, I mean, here's a stat for you. We can talk about Stuart Skinner being the first to admit he's got to stop more pucks. We can talk about the decor telling you that they gave up too many A-grade scoring opportunities or easy goals against. The Edmonton Oilers last year, Vander Kane tied for the NHL goal scoring lead in the playoffs with 13, and Zach Hyman had 11. That's right. They got 24 goals out of guys not named McDavid and Drysaddle. Those two players combined for six in the 12 playoff games this year. By the way, last year the Oilers played 16 playoff games. So I think that puts things in a little bit perspective just on Evander Kane. And I want to go to the possession metrics because... He had a 52% Corsi with the Oilers in the regular season, 56% uh, in the playoffs, 56% Fenwick. Unfortunately, uh, didn't go nearly as well. It was 54-53. He was still above what because I know a lot of guys uh, were critical of Vander's work 5-on-5, five five, and we both knew he was playing hurt. That is a good starting point. Do you agree that there's a chance that Kane could come back and score career-high goals next season if he's in Edmonton and healthy from day one? Yeah, absolutely. Chemistry continuing to build with uh, two of the best players in the world, two of the best passers in the world, and Kane loves to shoot the puck. No reason to think he couldn't do it. And the one thing he did do is he did provide a physical impetus playing through injury. He hit guys. Like, I mean, he was a huge... The first two games Edmonton lost against the LA Kings... It's funny, we're not even talking about McDavid and Drysaddle here. I mean, they're just so good, and what they achieved was so ridiculous. Nugent Hopkins, we already talked about it. He can't be happy with this playoff performance at even strength. Um, 
I'm going to bet on him bouncing back next year again. I think, is it fair to say at this stage he's mostly a left wing? Yes. Okay. Which is why I think an addition could also be made down the middle this summer if you're unable to keep uh, Nick Bukestad and or Derek Ryan. We'll get to that in a second because there's a right winger. You know where I'm going next, and that's with Yamamoto. What do you do there? He had 20 goals a year before. He got halved on that number this year. He played about 16 minutes a game, mostly with McDavid and Drysaddle, one of the two. Uh, for If you take a look at his career playoff numbers, I think he's got three career playoff goals and the plus-minus in his career. And some people say, well, Stoff, you can't count that as a stat. And others will say, absolutely, you have to count his playoff stats. Um, they matter in terms of a plus-minus in all time. In 34 career playoff games, Kyrie Yamamoto has three goals and is minus 16. And he's played with good players. So what do you do there with him? He's got a year left at $3.1 million. He's played 250 games in the NHL. I think we've got an idea what this player is. And what I will say is that 26 points in 27 games, that was three seasons ago now. So uh, to me, we're talking about a shell of, of the player that maybe he could have been when they picked him in the first round. Obviously, some pretty uh, catastrophic injuries along the way. I, I know that the, the concussion stuff with Landis Cog toward yeah. last year. And that we're not even sure if it was a concussion or so, yeah. or a, you know it may have been you know a vestib- like we're not 100% sure Whatever he hasn't he's not been the same player right right I, I guess that's the point that i'm making regardless of what it was he he has just not demonstrated an ability to make a difference and this team right now can't afford a 3 million dollar passenger bob um with the way Fogel McLeod and Ryan played that Fogel knows himself ahead of Kyler Yamamoto because they're roughly the same price point. Fogel's forechecking ability is noteworthy on the ice, and it used to be the case for Yamamoto, but I don't see him making the impact that Fogel does because Fogel skates so well. It, it, plus, Bob, if Fogel could ever finish a breakaway, you might be looking at a 15 or 20 goal score. Certainly 15. Well, he doesn't play with top six guys ever. <laughs> it's a lot of opportunities regardless. Yeah. And, that uh, line, But that line was good you know, five on five. I mean, because, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to, like, I, I personally think, we know the two goalies, 98% chance are coming back. Probably six of the seven D are coming back if you make a change there, and we kind of discuss the options. Um, and then up front, you've got some pending UFAs in the bottom six. Okay, let's cut to the chase. Derek Ryan, do you bring him back? 13 goals plus nine. Yeah, if you don't have somebody, unless you've got an absolute killer face-off man that is willing to sign here, Derek Ryan's a good fit. But he doesn't play center anymore. He's mostly a right wing at this stage, and he was fit. He was only fifty percent on face-offs. He was basically a fifty-five percent face-off man in three previous years. You think it's just a byproduct that he didn't play center as much? I don't know. I mean, what is he, 35, 36 36. old, 36? So uh, if if I'm choosing between the two unrestricted free agents, Mick Mick Bukestad, to me, looks like he might have more tread on the tire, bigger body. Uh, I like what he did in the face-off circle, and I love what he did along the boards. I think they would like to bring them both back. I'd love to see that. Now, Janmark played 14 minutes a game. Bukestad played 14 minutes a game. Ryan played 11 minutes a game. I think Yanmar. I think Yanmark is probably looking at roughly the same number. I don't know if Derek Ryan can get the same number. He was at one point two five 
this past year. I don't know if he gets to that number just because of how tight Edmonton is against the cap. I think Bukestad's got to be at least a million and a half on a two-year deal. At least scored 17 goals. He's six foot six. Now, is he a top six centerman? No. Uh, can he be a fill-in right wing? But we didn't see that. We didn't see him play with McDavid or Drysaddle as a fill-in right wing option at any point. We saw him with Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, where he was mostly the center. But we never saw him play on the wing, where he has played at times in the past in Florida when he was younger in the career. Ideally, to me, you've got Dylan Holloway on fill-in duty on the wing of either one of those top guys. Yeah, that's... Ideally. What happened there? I don't know. Because, again, I say other prospects of that same ilk are, are contributing, and Holloway's got the physical tools to be able to do that. So I, I, I don't know, Bob, over the la- latter half of this season what went on there, but I hope that it is salvageable come training camp because we talk about production on a, a decent dollar value. Well, a first-round pick on an entry-level deal is how you do that. Slam dunk that McLeod gets either a two-year or three-year extension. I mean, he just did the team a bit of break. Scott Arbright's this year he, he took 798 which was technically below his uh, 5% inducement on his qualifier um, he, hey I wish Ryan McLeod played with a little bit more bite but he can transport the puck he's probably never going to be more than a 15 goal 40 point guy maybe I'm going to be wrong um, I think Holloway could be more than that. Brennan I got to tell you like if you went to the Penticton tournament and then watched the preseason they pivoted pretty quickly away from having Holloway in their top six last year. And he did play well on the left side with McLeod and Fogle, a game in New York. The problem is McLeod and Fogle got hurt in that game. Then he got a look with McDavid on uh, play, when he was playing left line, left wing with McDavid in Anaheim. Um, that was a game where Costin got the two goals and Holloway scored early in the game. It was January the 11th, right when the Oilers turned the year. Holloway, for me, is they have to just play him in the top nine. Right from day one. No screwing around. He's in possibly even in the... You can make an argument, depending if they look to upgrade... Let's just say they want to upgrade on CC on defense. And so they spend a little bit more money in that slot. And Yamamoto is the piece that they move out. You can make an argument they should just play Holloway in the top six and then use the requisite cap space during the year that they have to accumulate to make a potential addition at some point during the year at the trade deadline with a top six player. I don't think you know what you have in in Holloway yet. And to to that point, neither does any other franchise in, in the NHL right now. So that doesn't make him a very valuable trade asset if that's how you wanted to view him. But to me, this is somebody who could, with his stature and his skating and the way that he's tracks pucks on the forecheck and that sort of thing, like I see a spot for him on this Oilers roster. I, I was really befuddled as to why he didn't get sort of a second look even come playoff me too. time. But they didn't they were pretty rigid with the roster as a whole come playoff time when you think about not wanting to pivot away from Skinner either. So uh, maybe he just couldn't weasel his way back. And somebody said to me, uh, well, he didn't kill it down in Bakersfield when he came back off the injury. And I'm like, well, who? nobody put up big offensive numbers in Bakersfield. Like he had seven goals and 10 points in 12 games. Phelps scored 19 goals in Bakersfield, 16 at even strength. They didn't have a great power play in Bakersfield. Seth Griffith wanted a lot of it driven him down in Bakersfield, and he had a poor season. A lot of their veterans were not very good in Bakersfield. 
and got a long, long stick during the course of the year. And I'm just looking at, like, this is the conundrum I have with Broberg at 8 and 19 and Holloway at 14 and 20. Sometimes you just got to trust your own guys. Are we circling back to the same thing that happened with Bouchard? You know, you know my frustration and exasperation, Brendan, with Bouchard not playing during the 2021 season. And we had a lot of guys yelling and screaming at me on Twitter and at, on the Ashley Fine Flores text line saying that Bouchard will never be as good as Ethan Bear. Are you kidding me? Like, seriously. We had people this year, halfway through the year, that wanted to trade Bouchard out of town. Sometimes you have to bet on the talent that you drafted. Are we at that stage with Holloway and Broberg? I guess that's one of the questions. Slam dunk, they should make an effort to bring Clem Costin back, a restricted free agent. He's almost the perfect fourth-line left wing, isn't he? Yeah, as long as he can agree to a reasonable price point, I think he he knows and likes his role, and uh, it's a role that Edmontonians have wanted to see filled on this hockey team for a while. So if you can go out there and intimidate and put the puck in the net, you've got a spot on my team, 100%. Yeah. Uh, the only argument you can make just on the center thing with both, because McLeod's going to, I mean, at the end of the day, you got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins as a center option. McLeod probably is a third-line center. If they don't get Bukestad, do they get a guy that can win a draw? And then let Ryan play, Derek Ryan play in the wing. I guess time will tell. Raphael Lavoie needs to clear waivers next year. There's some people that believe a six foot four right wing after the year he had this year, he might not clear. He might need to be on the team for a while at the start of the year. I wouldn't bet against that happen. And his price point will kill you. We're going to squeeze in some uh, text when we come back and get to this day in Oilers history as well. You're listening to Oilers now. So this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. What do you got, Brendan? Well, Yari Curry, who I believe was actually born on this day. Yes, uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. He had three goals and two assists on his 30th birthday there. Oilers beating Boston 7-2 in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. It's great seeing Yari Curry came into town for uh, the Oilers' uh, retirement night that they did for both Lee Fogelin and Ryan Smith. And uh, Yari, he was a... Pretty good play. You know who you know who was on the line that year with him in nineteen ninety? It was before you were born, so it's a tough question for you to answer. <laughs> Mark Lamb was the center, and Estetikin and Curry were together on the line. There you go. Messier was playing with Anderson and uh, Craig Simpson, and they just dominated. Uh, the, the the Curry Lamb. And Tikin and Line were the best line early in the series in the final two games. Uh, Messier and Simpson. And Anderson Anderson walked Ray Ray Bork in Game Five as the Oilers went on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Bob, just in terms of your player evaluations, you're going to regret moving Yamo before seeing what he can do next year. Uh, if for no other reason than uh, his value will rise, Fogel is what he is: overpriced, decent bottom six. Uh, Bob, uh, Colorado Avalanche legend and cup winning goal scare Yer, uh, Yerry Curry, what a player there you go, you can text us at 780-496-0063 Bob, I want to see Broberg in, we keep talking about the BS penalty involving Eichel but it was the ref that messed it up 
uh, in that play specifically, he was actually uh, interrupted number nine from doing what he wanted to do in the D zone, which didn't happen much in the series against Edmonton. Higher ceiling for Broberg, uh, and we've seen glimpses. And uh, how Yamo uh, has sort of been falling off wouldn't hurt to see Holloway swapped in. It's worth giving him a chance. Uh, plus, a cap reduction hit is uh, really valuable right now. That one comes to us from Warren. Trevor has texted us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Uh, Bob, I've always maintained that the best way to judge uh, between two players is to keep the guy you'd least like to play against based on the criteria. Campbell, CeCe, Yamamoto, and Ryan are out. Get Reimer and keep Bugstead, McLeod, and Deherney from Trevor. Well, McLeod's not going anywhere. Deherney's not going anywhere. Uh, and you got four years left on Campbell. He's probably not going anywhere either. We got a uh, busy show coming up tomorrow. Just to set the record straight, we have Elliot Friedman from NHL. It's our final three-hour show. Uh, Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for Abe's Door Service. Daily face-offs, Frank Saravalli uh, for Horse Racing Alberta. Our headliner tomorrow for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today, uh, will be... Jay Woodcroft, and for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon. So, four guests Friday for our show tomorrow. Reed Wilkins uh, has Inside Sports Night from... He will be on from 7 to 8. Reason being, from 6 to 8 tonight, you've got live coverage of the Provincial Leaders Debate, Danielle Smith and Rachel Notley, live on the airwaves tonight. Then you'll hear from Oilers Inside the Game Analyst, Rob Brown, and Elks Inside the Game Analyst on 6.30, Chad Blake Dermott as well. All right. Uh, up next, a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And then what do we got shaken from 3 to 6 today? Brendan. Angela Cocott is joining us live from Calgary. All right, great stuff. Back at it tomorrow, we'll have Jay Woodcroft, Frank Cerevalli, Elliot Friedman, John Shannon. So long, everybody from Oilers Now.